Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. My toaster oven, four minutes and 30 seconds for toast. A little bit butter right before it ends? Nah, you know, I don't have to, you know. But I'm going to toast a bagel on Friday, a Bethesda bagel bagel. Cut side inside Friday. or out? Inside. It tells you specifically inside. The, and it's, all, it's two slots, and the inside of the bagels must face each other. It's, it's, now the real it's test, revolution. The real test would be if you threw in one of those uh, free butcher box steaks. I'm not going to do that. Little salt pepper? No, it's a toaster. <laughs> the Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. We're going to get to the toaster <laughs> shortly. We're doing an experiment today. Nigel is here. Nigel has not, and he's fully vaccinated, as is Michael, as am I. We are sitting around the table together to see if we can approximate the way the show used to be. If that works, and Jeannie has come in, and we've done that once before, but Jeannie had to share a microphone with Michael. Now we have the capability of four microphones, so we have the capability of four people around Uncle Benny's table. So we'll see if we expand the role or not, but Nigel is here for the first time in a long time. And we have multiple people on multiple microphones for the first time in a long time. So we will get to all of that. I want to say that next week, a PTI is dark for the next two weeks, basically, because of the Euro soccer tournament. So I am going to take some time off. And that doesn't mean a lot of time off. Next week, we will have shows at least Monday and Tuesday. The week after, we will have shows at least Monday and Tuesday. So, you know, don't, don't get nuts. Tony's not going to Europe. Tony doesn't go to Europe anymore. All right. A couple of uh, emails I want to get to from Steve the Sycophant uh, requesting a shout out for the Fairfax Wind Symphony Swing Band, which will be leading off the 16th annual Manassas Jazz Festival at noon this Saturday, June 19th. I proudly play fifth trumpet with the swing band. And when asked why fifth trumpet, Steve, I reply, because we don't have six trumpets. <laughs> Hope to see lots of littles at Manassas this Saturday. Okay. Um, this one is, my name is Jack Morrow. I'm currently living in Wilmington, North Carolina. For over 25 years, I've had it on my mind to thank you for a kind gift you gave me over several years way back in the early 90s. You do not know me or my family, but you helped a great deal for a short time. I became a fan of your columns when I lived in Western Virginia, particularly your style columns. About 1995, I was forced to return to my native Pittsburgh to take care of my elderly parents, mostly my mother. She had cancer. Along with enduring pain, she slowly became very depressed and lost her interest in everything she ever enjoyed, particularly reading and laughing. As I wanted to stay connected to the D.C. area, I searched and finally found that the local Giant Eagle supermarket in the Ritzy neighborhood imported 10 copies of the Washington Post every Sunday. I don't remember what edition it was, but it got to Pittsburgh and to the store between 9 and 10 a.m. You had to be in line by 9 to be able to buy one of the copies. My mother heard me laughing one Sunday morning, asked me what was so funny. I told her I was reading your column about thinking you were having a heart attack. At her request, I read it to her. She started laughing and then wanted me to read some more articles to her. Every Sunday morning from then on until her death, she would tell me to make sure I made it to the store in time to get her post with Tony's column in it. She looked forward to and thoroughly enjoyed your work. She would even tell her friends on the phone about reading your column every week and what it was about. After a while, my father even got interested enough to sit in on my sessions with my mother that revolved around your columns. You helped her with something to look forward to and laugh about and talk about. Great gift to her and to me, and I'm grateful. So after all these years, I got off my fat behind to figure out how to contact you. <laughs> At least I hope you get this somehow. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Isn't that nice? That's lovely. That's nice. Here's another one. From RJ in Bronxville, New York, by way of Chicago. We lost my grandfather on Friday. You didn't go to camp with him. 
You didn't know him at all, but I feel almost a sense of obligation to tell you and Littles everywhere of his passing because of the communal effect this show and you in particular have on those parts of the TK universe. He was a Chicago firefighter for 40 years and married to my grandmother, forget this, 71 years. He was in the same graduating class as Bob Newhart at the St. Ignatius College Prep, which is where Wilbon went to school, which should ring a bell. My grandfather belonged to a mysterious generation that was too young for World War II and too old for Korea or Vietnam. He loved horse racing, and like Andy Beyer, he was notorious for never correctly picking the winner of the Derby. My grandfather, George Shepard, was 92 years old. You know, I think people respond to emails like this. I don't read them all the time, but people respond. From Chuck Pinter, who wrote to us the other day. Following up on my email, which was read on the pod, my first. Thank you for the Ocean City course recommendations. They look perfect. I would be extremely honored to get a chance to play with Mr. Tony if the timing was right at Rehoboth. My contact information is at the bottom. Tony said to call him, but not sure how since I don't have his number. <laughs> well, if he gave it to me, I could call you on my birthday. The nine-hole course Michael spoke of is called Dunes Club. It is an early Mike Kaiser creation, and it is a course I've been lucky enough to play. I do have one connection and may be able to get us on if Michael is in the area. Yeah, they change the pins after you play the first loop. Is that, oh, is yeah, that how so it works? Yeah, keep going around. Okay. And from Chris Morrow Chuck, out of Chicago, right, in Naples, Florida. Michael, the dunes nine hole, really cool. Play nine, then pins change. Oh, Large yeah. greens through the dunes. I belong to Lost Dunes, north of the dunes, 15 miles, private and designed by Tom Doak. I play at Olympia Fields. No Wilbon a little. Would love to entertain you or set it for you. Take these, Michael. Share that, share that email with Mr. Chan Hardwick. <laughs> Take those, Michael. Win son-in-law of the year. Thank you very much. Now let's get to the most important thing that we can do, which is to talk about the Revolution Toaster, which was sent to me by Bruce Levinson, who owns the company. He was the guy who invented Gas Buddy. He oh. also, yeah, he, he invented oh. Gas Buddy, and he also at one point owned the Atlanta Hawks, which is a long story that I'm not going to go into. He is a friend of the socialite, Alan Bubis. He's a friend of a whole bunch of people in this area. But my friend Michael Kerr, who has a house in Florida, ran into a guy who knows Bruce Levinson and started talking about the toaster and how great the toaster was, which is why I went on PTI a few weeks ago and I said, Bruce Levinson, send me a toaster. <laughs> And everybody said he's not going to send you a toaster because he's not in the business of sending stuff for free that he, you know, that he owns. Well, he sent me a toaster. And what we talked about was it's a toaster, right? It, it's not, it doesn't paint your house. It doesn't take out the garbage. It doesn't drive your kids to school. It toasts bread and bread like objects. You know, that's what it does. And a regular toaster, you can go, you can go to any store, any sort of appliance store, and you can get a cheap toaster for about 30 bucks. You can do that. You can spend more. You can spend $50, $60, $70 on a toaster. And some people do that. This toaster is, it's my understanding, the toaster goes for 300 bucks. That's a lot of money. Yes, it is. It's a tremendous amount of money for a toaster. Well, it also tells the time. It gives you the time. It does. Plays a song for you when Plays the toast is done. Plays a song <laughs> when the toast is done. I made toast for you. Plain white bread toast. Michael, how was the toast? The toast was fantastic, but you have to remember, I'm coming back to my childhood home, and I see you pull out the butter from the fridge, and I see you actually make me something to eat, and that has not happened in 20-plus years. <laughs> so I'm remembering before golf tournaments, and you would make me a So you have associated memories. Yeah, so I'm biting into, if only it was Meyer's Italian white bread, right. that would have been the final touch, but this was exactly what you think of when you think of toast in your mind's eye. 
Nigel, how was the toast? It was the single greatest piece of toast I've ever had. And yep. it makes me rue the day I bought my current toaster for less than that $30 threshold you said. It's the, I mean, it's, it's like an East German piece of equipment. It's terrible. Okay. So I, I need a single upgrade. piece of bread toaster. No, it's got two, but the bread doesn't really fit in, and it burns half the time. I mean, it's just miserable. And, and I, I don't but don't know. worry, because the women's swimmers are winning gold medals <laughs> right in East Germany. Yeah, this was the worry. first That's solid true. meal you've had in weeks. Okay. I know, yes. Yeah, so I'm, I'm famished. Um, on my toaster oven, which I use to make toast, because I don't have a toaster in this house. I have a toaster out in Delaware. I don't have a toaster in this house. The toaster oven takes four minutes and 30 seconds to toast whatever it is toasting. Four minutes and 30 seconds. This took about a minute, right? Took about a minute. Sure, and it's, it's got that little countdown. It so you shows can... you what it's doing. It yeah. does split-second counts at the final 10. Yeah. <laughs> it was like watching the, the swim trials the last two nights. Yeah, and it has this particular thing, which I'm going to say, that makes it great, and the socialite, if he hears this, will love this. While it toasts the outside, it allows the integrity of the bread to be maintained on the inside. So while you eat the toasted outside... The inside is bread and tastes great. Tastes like bread. Jesse, shut up. I'm doing something here. Okay? I think Jesse, Jesse wants very, toast. very excited. She's very excited because people are here, and so she's going to bark for a while. <laughs> so let me now address the subject of $300 for toast. It's a bit much. But okay. it's... Well, before you get to the price point, this is like, I put this in the same category as a, as a coffee machine or a coffee maker. You can, you can yes. just do a simple pour over. You can have a French press. You can have something like an automatic drip, or you can go beyond. To me, that's this. It could be a piece of art if you want it to be. I hadn't thought of that. I had thought in more practical terms. Uh, to me, they were more practical terms. There is something out there that you're going to spend $300 on, and it might be an article of clothing it might be something totally self-indulgent like a painting. It might be, I, I, I don't know. I don't know what you would spend $300 on. The, the area of clothing strikes me as something very possible. Um, I, I don't know, some other appliance maybe? I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of lost here on what costs $300 because I don't know what anything costs anymore. But there's going to be something in your life that you're going to spend. This is a, an affluent audience. Come on now. You're going to spend 300 bucks on something. You might spend 300 bucks on dinner. Dinner for four. Sure. You might well spend $300 on dinner for four. You're going to have this thing, this Revolution toaster, for at least 10 years and maybe more than that. If you make three pieces of toast a week, three pieces of toast a week, over 10 years, that's 10 cents a day. That's all that is. For just 10 cents a day. This 300 bucks <laughs> is going to be amortized in a far different way than the other thing that you buy for $300. I mean, I convinced myself of this last night when I was walking the dog. How do I sell this toaster to people? I mean, because I can afford 300 bucks for anything. Doesn't matter. You know, but, but it did strike me that that was reasonable. It's going to be working for you for a long period of time. Yes. You know, it's like when you buy an expensive refrigerator, you got that thing for a long period of time. It, it, it's, it's different than, again, buying dinner. It's different than buying an outfit. It, it's different than that. It's different. 
Am I no, making and sense? Toast is one of those frustrating things where everyone wants it a slightly different way, and they let Which you, you can do. They that. let you pinpoint the color, the toasted level of what you're going to have, and you're not going to be stuck there doing the double toast to try. I'm and get thinking it of quitting PTI and opening up a Revolution <laughs> franchise. I could just see <laughs> getting on the Northeast Corridor train like Willie Loman and just going up and down with toasters in a bag. You know. So I, I mean, am I? I don't think I'm overselling it. No, I mean when you say the, I don't think so. When you say the price, you're like, oh wow, that's a lot. It's too much. For a it's way too much. It's insane. You, yeah, it's actually insane. But then, you, but yeah, you realize, yeah, as you said, over the life of this thing, which yeah, it could be ten years, could be more than that. Oh no, and and you're going to enjoy brilliant toast, or as you said, toast like products. What do we think? Toast like time. products. Toast like yes. products. Yes. What are those? What are those uh, pop tart things? Yeah, right, you can tarts. do that. Oh, you put but a waffle put a, in but there. You, you put a waffle in there. Yeah, but if you put a pop tart in there, isn't it going to get schmutzy? Isn't yeah, it going to melt? The, uh, what's the crumble tray like? Oh, uh, Tracy found it last night at the bottom of the toaster. You take it out and you dump stuff into the can. I'm going to show you our air fryer and see what it does to blow your mind Ooh. wide open. So, and how much is an air fryer? I don't know. You can get it. A lot of price points like this. Well, maybe Bruce Levinson will invent an air fryer, <laughs> revolution air fryer. I'm going to buy one of these. That, that's how convinced I am after one piece of toast. That's Wait, what this, this sort of sounds like <laughs> we're doing an infomercial. Go door to door. <laughs> I'm going to buy it. With the toaster. No, it was like, uh, who look was, at that, kids. He's going to buy it. What's the story that Gary always tells with, uh, with Coach uh, Rick Gallon or whatever that guy's name was? Oh, he bought a car. <laughs> He bought a car. Doing an event at a car. Yes, the and, and he bought a car. It was, it was a Chevy. It was a Chevy sports car, what? though not... Not a Corvette. And then I think it was repoed. Like, Rich Gilgan. Of course it was. Because <laughs> he couldn't keep up the payments. He, he, bought, he bought one of those leather, forgive me for saying this, but this was the name at the time, leather redskin jacket. Yes. It's like a 500, and you know, of course it came back. Of course. <laughs> Don't buy things you can't afford, kids. But if, you, if you're looking at strategy here, maybe this is worth it. Like we was pointed at me. We'll take a break. <laughs> We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll do some news when we come back. Because, again, we're in the experimental stage of putting the band back together again. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Hi. I've got something new to share that could be the perfect, blah, 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 take two, perfect Father's Day gift. These are the new Hera IQ Buds 2 Max, the next generation of hearable technology that gives you the power to control and alter your soundscape. I have to explain this. Um, I am used to in the last 30 years of putting things in my ears to hear better, mostly on radio, but on television as well. I have an earpiece in television as well and cranking it up because as I get older, I lose hearing, which is a vicious cycle because the more you crank it up, the more you lose your hearing, of course. But I'm used to that. So when I put these things in and tap them, it, it's perfectly familiar to me. I understand that. I understand having earbuds in not everybody does but i do so it's okay i'm a father and i like them so i'm thinking the father in your life may like it as well michael you're a father yeah check that off my list yeah you could you seem very happy <laughs> yeah yeah um and then it says then it writes in host shares more of his personal experience here did i ever tell you about the revolution toaster <laughs> it's one of my personal experiences you're gonna be blown away with the iq buds 2 max it's no wonder they were selected as one of time's Best inventions in 2020. They're on sale now for Father's Day. They'd make the perfect gift for yourself, your father. They really would. I mean, these things are good. You can hear stuff you haven't heard in years. And if your hearing is really good, it's going to make it better. As they say on TV, if some is good, more is better in terms of hearing. Go to newhera.com to order today. That's newhera.com, N-U-H-E-A-R-A. 
NewHera.com. One more time, NewHera.com to experience the magic of IQ Buds 2 Max. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Good morning to the whole crew. I'm Andrew Flowers, a millennial little from Columbia, South Carolina, home of the University of South Carolina. Attached to four songs from the band Levy, like where Don McLean drove his Chevy. Don McLean. <laughs> I was graciously listed as a co-writer on this album, so you hereby have my permission to play these. From an album review, Levy's songs are built around confessional lyrics, ranging in topic from doubt to the agony of love lost, the pain of life, and faith amidst it all. This is a song called Waste Time. It's a song about sweet love. No time is ever wasted when you're with the one you love. Andrew Flowers is a pastor in training at the Midtown Fellowship in Lexington. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice in Columbia, South Carolina? It's very lovely. It we'll is. We'll play another song later. Nigel is going to do news. Again, we're experimenting now. Nigel's going back to that thing we hired him for, to do news and get out of the way. So before, before we start, Nigel goes, is there a story you want us to open with? You know, we've been waiting for a long time. Dad goes, I don't care. Right, I don't care. I don't care. Don't it's that sort of pep talk right before we start this. It always well, gets maybe, maybe if you wrote the stories down. Yes. yes. If you wrote it down instead of having to steal my Wi-Fi. Yes. <laughs> I am a thief of your Wi-Fi. I most certainly am. Well, we will start off with the world of tennis, Mr. Tony, where there's been uh, some news and big news yesterday. Uh, number World number two, Naomi Osaka withdraws from Wimbledon. Uh, this, of course, a few weeks after she withdrew from the French Open, citing concerns she had over depression and dealing with the media and the problems that that uh, gave her. Uh, and the statement, she said that she would be ready for the Olympics, though. So she has to play in the Olympics. One would think. She is Japanese. They are in Japan. So there is more pressure on her to play in the Olympics than anything else she will do for a while. Yes. And she cannot, she really has to play in the Olympics. What else? Uh, also, Rafa Nadal said right. in listening to his body, yeah. he is going to withdraw from Wimbledon and the Olympics. So hopefully he'll be back on the court uh, during the hard court season for the U.S. Open. But, uh, you know, it, I'm not saying he was going to win Wimbledon, but it certainly opens the door a little wider for Novak Djokovic to sure. continue his, you know, his onslaught on the records. It never sounds good when an athlete says, I'm listening to my body. When that athlete is 35 years old, which in tennis is quite old, not mm. as old as Federer at 39, but it's an ominous sound, listen to my body. These are different decisions. While they both are dropping out of the same tournament, and, and Nadal is also dropping out of the Olympics, which I believe he's won. Um, but he's not Japanese, so he doesn't have to do it. Uh, it's a different set of pressures. One person, Nadal said, I'm doing this to prolong my career. Yes. Osaka is not worried about prolonging her career. She's 22 years old. Osaka is worrying about, it, it appears that Osaka loves to play tennis, but doesn't love any of the attendant parts of tennis. Yeah. Just loves to play tennis. So she's going to have to figure out um, how to deal with emotional issues. And Nadal is figuring out how to deal with physical issues. Now, uh, there's an instructive lesson here from Roger Federer. Four or five years ago, when Roger Federer was 35 years old, he dropped out of the U.S. Open and the Olympics. He came back the next year. He won the Australian. He dropped out of the French, and he won Wimbledon. It's the same age then that Nadal is now. 
Nadal is undoubtedly looking at that history, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, and it's interesting. You're trying to say protect my body, and you're going from you know surfaces that feel familiar or allow your strengths to to sort of thrive to something that would not necessarily play into an older player's knees and your style of play. But you look at the the opportunity and burden that comes from these individual sports, where you have this condensed short summer season, where you have all the possibility of the Olympics. You're looking at golfers making the same decisions. What tournaments am I taking off if I'm trying to protect my ability to play in the Olympics or rather if I actually see the best path for me is to try and focus on one of the other majors. And and coming back to Osaka, you just look at because, as you put it, she has to play in this or she feels does. that burden. That's why you're trying to, instead of, prolong the you know instead of protect the career you're trying to protect the self so that the, the tennis can continue i think that's going to be hard for her i mean my, my advice of course would be to take a full break yeah. um but she, like ash body did she really needs there's if 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 you think there's pressure on her to play in tennis tournaments it's nothing like the pressure to play for your country in your country it's a different deal okay uh, and I will say that Did you want something to say because you make a bunch of money doing tennis. <laughs> make a bunch of money doing it, but I, I do get to host a podcast for um for the for USTA. Uh, and I, I will say this that Wimbledon earlier in the day before she made that announcement, Osaka, uh, they had released a statement saying we've already reached out to her. We want to talk to her about how we can do the media yep. better. We yep. want input from players. So at least Wimbledon was trying to be more proactive about this and not say, look, if you don't play, these are, these are the ramifications. Well, like they had the, okay, they had the ability to be more proactive the french it just sort of all, all of a sudden yes. they yes. didn't know what to do okay yeah. so yeah all right. so. uh to the nba the association as we like to call it mr tony uh lots of comings and goings mostly goings right now rick carlisle will not return uh to the dallas mavericks coach uh, as dallas maverick coach after 13 years this follows the news that don nelson is out after 24 years okay donnie it's donnie nelson not don nelson it's don nelson's son okay. donnie um, he's out after 24 years as GM. Rick Carlisle left on his own. This is not Scott Brooks. This yes. is not Stan Van Gundy. Yes. They were canned. A lot of people like to write, you know, uh, reached an agreement to part ways. <laughs> this is how you reach an agreement to part ways. Somebody says, you're fired. Get out. That's how it works. Okay. Um, Rick Carlisle has won a championship, which Scott Brooks never did and Stan Van Gundy never did. Rick Carlisle walked. That looks that situation in Dallas looks very odd. Well, it's, a uh, general manager goes, a coach goes. It looks like a devolving, dissolving situation. But um, you can get a coach and you can get a GM. You can't get Luka Doncic on the street. Mm -hmm. So if Luka Doncic wanted these things to happen, and that means that Luka Doncic will sign a long-term deal with Dallas, then that's the choice Dallas had to make. If they did not accurately ascertain Luka Doncic's feeling about these people and Luka Doncic leaves, that's on the owner. That's on Mark Cuban. I got to think Mark Cuban's smart enough to take the temperature of his best player, right, Michael? Yeah. And you're looking locally as you try and think about sort of what is the path forward as to what you might want to see here. And you're trying to decide, are you getting that coach for a player or for a potential player? And we saw that did not work out in D.C. Which With Durant. Durant wouldn't even they, they brought in Scott Brooks to get to Durant. Durant <laughs> wouldn't years, even talk to them. Five years for 35. That's a, the, the best a lot contract of money. ever. You just yeah. let it expire. So what? That's, but you're trying to think or you try you, you look at what the 
what the opportunity here is in the city and go, why can't you go back to a model where you have somebody who has ties to a city or ties to the sort of the basketball ethos of this region and try and build from the ground up rather than trying to go the other direction of just trying to say, can we find the right fit? for? I'm just going to tell you that the general manager there, Tommy Shepard, I don't believe anything he says publicly. I mean, he's a guy who said, we're not trading John Wall. And like 20 minutes later, they <laughs> traded John Wall. I just don't, I don't, and he'll tell you, well, that was strategic. Well, you can call it whatever you want. I don't believe what he says. So that's well, it was problematic. Strate- it was strategic. Yeah, it was strategic. Absolutely. Um, Scott Brooks, Scott Brooks has no claim to say, give me another contract. He thought, and others thought, that Russell Westbrook, who likes him so much, and he does because he coached him at Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. and he's been Russell Westbrook's greatest supporter publicly, that that would save his job. But in fact, you know, he had a losing record. His best season was his first season. He made the playoffs this year in a 10-team playoff circumstance and went out rather meekly to Philadelphia. They looked better and better as the year went on. But I don't think you can say, oh, you got to keep him. I don't think you can say that. No, Do agree you, with Does that. anybody? No. No. You know, they'll, they'll get another coach. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's earned the right to say, come on, you got to bring me back. This is phase two. Stan Van Gundy. No, he might have thought, would you have done the extension for a year just to try and see if you could have a more full search right. and try and And by the way, the right you know, I don't think Scott Brooks would have said, oh, no, I'm not coming back for $7 million in one more year. <laughs> come back for anything. Crazy. Of course he would have said okay. Come back for a revolution toaster. Yeah, there's seven openings now. Yeah. Seven d- openings. And by the way, Rick Carlisle goes to the head of the, head of the line sure. for any opening. Where do you think is, do you think? You, no idea. Any, I know you're hoping it's Boston. Well, I hope anybody good goes to Boston. Of but course. I don't know. Um, I don't know. Do, were you surprised that Van Gundy was out after just one year down yes. there? Yeah, because uh, David Griffin, another one of Wilbon's pals, David Griffin, or Griff, as he's referred to, goes in there and wields a big axe on Alvin Gentry. Fires Alvin Gentry because he couldn't make the playoffs with Zion because he had a minutes restriction imposed by the general manager. Right. And he fired him and brought in Stan Van Gundy and, as the savior and then fired Stan Van Gundy in one year. Yes, that's sort of stunning and, and, and leads me to wonder what kind of coach wants to coach there. If, that, if, you, yeah, if you, the pressure is you got to perform first year no matter what, and David Griffin is willing to fire anybody in sight. I don't know. I don't know who wants to coach there. I don't know. Somebody will, of course. But pretty sure they don't want to coach in Arizona to coach the Diamondbacks on the road. Whoa! Diamondbacks have now lost twenty-three straight games on the road. Uh, they lost uh, ten to three to the Giants. This comes a day after they blew a seven-nothing lead to the Giants <laughs> to extend that streak. They break the record share. They lost on a walk-off grand slam, right by. Carl Ustremski's grandson. Yeah. <laughs> in the cove. He yes. hit it into the cove. Yaz's cove. That's right. Um, McCovey's cove. It's not <laughs> Yaz's cove. It's Yaz's green monster. McCovey's cove. Um, but this, this breaks uh, the tie that they had with, that they shared with the 1963 Mets and the 1946 uh, Philadelphia A's uh, as, 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 as a stretch of futility. And you also, know who else stinks? The Orioles. They stink. 19 straight losses on the road. Every if time not you- for Arizona, yeah. the Orioles would go for the record. I mean, and they very well might overtake the Diamondbacks. Yeah. They are just dreadful right now. Every time you look up, it seems as if the Orioles are just getting blown out once again. Thank you for mentioning baseball. 
Michael, you went to a game? First game back. Oh, first how was game it? back. How was so we that? Went, to the four, went to the four o'clock start, drove down. Against <clears throat> Pittsburgh. Boys had a great time. You just keep them, keep them loaded up with French fries and ketchup. And the little guy just goes, more ketchup. <laughs> <laughs> but we were, we were in uh, Allen seats. We're down the first baseline. New netting is up, so you're not worried as much about the little ones. They got to see Juan Soto. Bo- both boys for two days leading up to it just walked around the house going, Soto, Soto. They, they saw him. They didn't know what to do. Yeah. Yeah, and so and the Nats had great pitching. Actually, yeah, it was even though Brad Hand scared me to death. We were already making our way to the. Oh, Brad we were already Hand. making our way to the uh, to the lot to avoid. I think we sat next to Ryan Zimmerman's brother. Yeah, Liz looked at me at one point. He Brian, was, is it Brian? I would, and Ryan? I would go by Bride. Just put on the little kid had a had a Zim jersey. Yeah, when his, when his, and he looked like Ryan Zimmerman. He had the look, and his uh, Ryan came up as a pinch hitter at some point, and then the family sort of looked at each other and got real quiet, put the Shake Shack down. And that's when I was like, there's a lot to connect the dots here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, they swept, the Nats swept the Pirates because yeah. Pirates are a last place team. The Nats beat the Orioles, a last place team. The Nats have beaten a series from Arizona, I believe, a last place team. So, yeah, it doesn't prove anything. But the Mets come to town. Mets come to town for three, and you don't have to face DeGrom. Yeah. You got to win two or three. What's you going on with win him? Two or three. He's, he's got the shoulder the, problem or, or elbow Well, he's problem? had three different problems, which he says is nothing. <laughs> yeah. And they don't find anything on MRIs. Yeah, and he says I'm four, tired. Of four this. game series. Oh, it's four. So it's yes. a doubleheader series, uh, or is there? A, no, it's a Monday, a Friday, Saturday. Oh yeah, doubleheader on Saturday. Okay, seven inning doubleheader. I assume. Uh, I'm not sure because it's one of those planned ones. Mm, so I don't know. Okay. Uh, did you want to talk about Ronaldo and the Coca Cola? That's our last story of the day. Okay. Well, uh, the next story then is the Cape Cod diver, the lobster fisherman. No, we, we know that's a phony story. Well, there's, oh, so to catch people up, because I don't believe we've mentioned this on the air, uh, uh, about a week ago, there's a story that came out of, um, I think, a, a diving off of Provincetown in Cape Cod, uh, said he is a lobster fisherman. I guess he was going down in the water, diving down to get the lobster pots, and said he was swallowed by something. Swallowed. Yes. Swallowed by a whale, like yes. Jonah. Thought, swallowed. Thought it was a great white shark, because they do exist out there. I mean, there are, there are great white sharks all over the place up there. Um, they thought, well, this is it for me. But they started punching around and realized that there were no teeth and it was just soft tissue. So, oh, well, I can maybe get out of here. Turns out it was a hump, as he says, it was a humpback whale. And uh, the, when he started punching, the, the whale opened its mouth, spit him out like Jonah. Yeah. And then he sure. went to the surface. Sure. And that's believable. <laughs> well, that's believable. Then a bunch of doctors came in and said, well, listen, he doesn't have any eardrum damage. And if he was, dis- you know, ascending from a depth of about 50 feet, he would have had eardrum damage. And this really. No, he does- made it up. Yes. But now we've got pushback from what I can only call credible sources, a.k.a. this diver's friends, who have said, what's the doctor going to know about the ocean? Come on now. you got to go to the doctor because you're sick. <laughs> but you're not going to go to the doctor if you've got to go catch lobsters and play with whales. He's probably shocked, and I'm shocked too. They didn't get hurt more than he did. So they, they basically kind of ripped the doctors and say, this and is And then they nothing. went back to a bar in Revere. <laughs> yeah, oh, crack, cracked open a couple harpoons. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm not yeah. smoking inside. Yeah. yeah. As he said. He's a commercial diver, bro. Um, sorry, in my Boston accent. He's not going to have barrow trauma in his ears. He's coming up from 40 feet. It's not just a thing. I don't see where he gains any attention-wise by, you know, having people trash him for lying in a bar or something. So there you go. Okay, let's raise our hands around the country who believes this story. Nobody <laughs> believes that the guy was swallowed by a whale and spit out as he punched the inside of the whale's mouth. <laughs> Nobody believes this. 
nobody. And there's a reason why they don't believe. Yes, it's strange credulity, I believe would be the phrase. All right, we will get out of here. Uh, We will have email in a... No, Chuck Culpepper. Chuck Culpepper, Chuck Culpepper, all the way from Torrey Pines when we return. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the policy genius ad. I like the fact that they change the copy every month. Summer begins this month, and you know what that means. It's time to save on life insurance. That way you'll have a bigger budget for summer things like pool floats and hard seltzers. Between Father's Day, Flag Day, and National Yo-Yo Day, the month of June has a lot going on. Thankfully, Policy Genius makes it easy to cross life insurance off your list so you can get back to yo-yoing. You can save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius, and they'll make it easy to compare quotes from over a dozen top insurers all in one place. You could save $1,300 or more per year on life insurance by using Policy Genius to compare policies. And they're licensed experts at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. Getting started is easy. Head to policygenius.com. In minutes, you can work out how much life insurance you need. You can compare personalized quotes to find your best price. When you're ready to apply, the Policy Genius team will handle the paperwork and scheduling for free. Policy Genius never sells your information to other companies, and Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Head to policygenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius, when it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Once again, this is the band Levy from South Carolina. This is called Insulate. And the tagline is, amid the anxiety and worries of the world, this song purports a way to insulate yourself from all the noise. And yet I add, parenthetically, by giving you noise. Because (laughs) if you can't have a song without noise, this can't be done. Levy, very, very good, Michael. If people like Levy want to send us their songs to play on the air and to be listened to without my interruption at the end of the podcast, how do they do so? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at com. And this sounds like it's straight from one of our new favorite XM stations, Pop Rock. I think it's like channel. I don't know what channel is, but Pop Rock. No, I don't subscribe to XM because, you know, I called them up and I didn't get the deal. I thought you still have a trial. No, I didn't get the deal that they promised me, so who needs it? Chuck Culpepper, Chuck Culpepper is kind enough to join us very early in the morning in San Diego. It's, you know, the light is just lighting up the sky in San Diego. Yesterday, there was a delay at the beginning uh, because of the fog there. I know because I was watching Sansy on Peacock, me and 10 or 12 other people in the entire United States of America. But Chuck is joining us. Let's, let's start with, I think, you know, if I'm, if I'm writing about this tournament, the day before the tournament starts, I do what Chuck Culpepper did. I write about Phil Mickelson. I write about the fact that he grew up in San Diego. I write about the fact that he played Tory his whole life, and he didn't get the, the redo himself, and, and he wants to win so badly for a variety of reasons, and I write about that. And then, of course, I watched yesterday, Chuck. He bogeyed the, He started on 10 and bogeyed 10, and he finished plus four. I mean, the, the two questions are, what happened? And the second question is, he's done, right? Or is he not done? Oh, I think I think he's done. Yes. Um, yeah. it, it's, um, it's hard to, to come back from that, you know, on, on this course. And, and uh, I don't, you know, I, I don't know if it's too much to ask. Maybe, you know, after, after the PGA and all the might and energy that went into that and, 
and th- and then doing this um, at now 51. But um, I, I guess I'd rule that out the 51 part. But just say, you know, that's that's a lot to 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 keep up and to keep going with and to have in your in your mind and to want so much, you know, to have so much want about you. I think, uh, I think, I think I kind of wasn't surprised that that happened. I, I agree with you on all of it and, and including not being surprised, but to lay the case out, if Phil Mickelson were to win this, not only would he be again, the oldest person to win a major, but he'd get the one that he doesn't have the one that he's thrown away a few times. He'd get the career grand slam and he'd have seven. And he would at that point, Chuck, and I think you and I would agree, be in the top 10 golfers of all time. You'd have to put him in there with seven majors, all four majors, and two two as the oldest one to ever win, right? He might even go higher than the top 10, maybe the top five. I think he'd be, well, what is it, one of six to have all four? I think there's only five. There might be only five right now that have all four of them. And so that that accomplishment is just, you know, you think of the the players who are one shy of that Tom Watson uh, didn't get a PGA. Um, Arnold Palmer. Get, right. right yeah, Arnold Palmer. Right. And um, and so when you when you have all four, it's, yeah, it's just such an Jordan Spieth is is one shy right now um, of, of all four. You know, when you have all four, that's just in tennis and in golf, just such an accomplishment of having mastered all the you know the the different ways and the and the different uh tracks that you have to try to win on so yeah i would i think he would get get up in into the top yeah the top six of of all time if if he did that yeah i don't think he's going to do it but you know it certainly was worth writing about the other one of the other things that was worth writing about on the walk-up was the usga not pairing brooks kepka and Bryson DeChambeau together. Kepka looked good. Kepka's minus two. DeChambeau is plus two at the moment. What are your thoughts uh, on the USGA thinking about it, not thinking about it, ultimately not doing it? They, because these two guys are, you know, physically big guys and plain don't like each other, as Keith Jackson used to say. <laughs> oh, I love any mention of Keith Jackson at any hour of the day. Yeah. Um, yeah. But um, I think. They probably just thought it was, you know, a cheap stunt to do it if they did it. I think they probably looked at it that way. And um, but it, I think it's it's uh, quite a lot of fun that what's going on and uh, between the two of them. And um, it's these two personalities that are uh, one of them. Kepka has this kind of very quiet swagger, and the other, DeChambeau, has this louder swagger to him and um and needling each other and um Kepka thinks it's good for the game I guess they both do by now that's the where the paradigm has gone in, into that thought and so I had a reader who wrote me and said oh Jack and Arnie you know they they respected each other that was a lot better than th- than this this won't grow the game this won't this won't stir any interest you know people I'm I'm not sure I, I you know, if if Jack and Arnie had been needling each other on Twitter, they probably might have gotten even bigger than they than they were. 
I, you know, Arnie resented Jack Nicholas, a fat kid, you know, taking his titles away. They got right, to be right. okay. They got to be okay at the end. Phil and Tiger didn't like each other. They've got to be okay now. I'm just wondering, you're closer to this than I am. It seems to me that Kepka is the antagonist in this, but maybe I'm wrong. Wilbon insists that everybody hates DeChambeau. And I don't know that that's true. Do you have some sense as to who is the antagonist in this? I think Kepka is that, and I think he's enjoying that. And I think he's good at it. And I think he's sort of better at this game they're having than DeChambeau is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll give, I'll give DeChambeau one thing. You know, I think that any it's hard to come in and be something new. And, and that's what he's been. And it's also quite a, uh, you know, it's cheeky beyond cheeky to come in and say that you're kind of redefining a game that's been going on for what, 600 years or whatever it is, you know, <laughs> it's, it's when, when you step in and do that, you're going to have your share of, of detractors, you know? And so, you know, his, the way he has spoken about the game and approached the game kind of different from everybody else. And when you're different in the world, as a, uh, as Renee Zellweger said, playing Judy Garland in that movie she won the Oscar for, you're, when you're different in the world, people hound you. And so um, I'll give DeChambeau that. But I do think that he's more by this than Kafka is, and Kafka is enjoying that, that part of it very much. I agree with that totally. I agree with it. Kepka keeps jabbing him because Kepka has a lot of fun doing that. By the way, just adding parenthetically, I watched a lot of this yesterday. Tori looks so beautiful. It looks so you're there. You're not watching on television. It looks so beautiful. Is it that beautiful as you walk around? Oh, it's grotesque. It's <laughs> it's unsightly. And I think we're all worthy of sympathy, those of us who have to walk out there every um every day this week until sunday and i think people should try to spare a thought for us no it's so absurdly gorgeous that you have yeah. to kind of stand there sometimes and and uh and and just kind of try to comprehend that what you're seeing is actually what you're seeing because it's just you know the cliffs and the Every once in a while on, on number four out there at the tee, a glider going by. And you can hear them talk sometimes up there in the sky, gliding in the sky. And, uh, and the ocean and the different colors and um, the beach below and, and the whole thing. And it's just, it's, just, um, it's just kind of beyond. It makes me think of that, that thing people get when they faint because they see something that's that's too beautiful to look at. And, uh, it, you know, it makes me think about that sometimes cause it's just, it's just, uh, just to walk around. You feel like you're, you're spending your life. Well, so there were three things in Monday night football that sort of mesmerized me and called to me and forced me to spend hours looking at them. One was the arch in St. Louis. Uh, Because I just can't imagine how that thing got built and who thought of it and how great it is. And they would have to drag me away from looking at the arch. (laughs) Two were the falls, the Niagara Falls when we had a game in Buffalo. And three was those cliffs in San Diego. We stayed in a hotel right on Torrey Pines. There's like 19 hotels right up and down that block. And you would walk out onto the golf course, just sort of walk. 
and you would see the people, the gliders um, in the multicolored uh, parasails behind them. And you just watch this and you just go, yeah, nothing, nothing can be as beautiful. Certainly nothing can be more beautiful. Nothing could even be as beautiful. So I'm happy to know you feel the exact same way because that's, that's, that's how I felt when I watched it. It's beautiful. And when I, the other day I was, I was touring the, the, some of the courses Mickelson played as a, as a child. And I went by where the stadium used to be. It's just it's too bad football isn't here anymore. It was such a great Super Bowl site. Yes, uh, Jack I re- Murphy. I can, yep. Yes. I can remember, um, didn't you write a column about taking the trolley at the uh, Super Bowl yep. 32, the yep. Denver Green Bay one? And, you know, you had Terrell Davis so great in, in that Elway game. And, and then you had Doug Williams winning one here. And then you had John Gruden beating Al Davis here. And uh, it's just, you know, it just seems like, ah, oh, why is not football here anymore? You know, and with all the possibilities, both a team and, you know, the occasional yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah, it should be it should be there, but of course they'd rather have twenty seven teams in Los Angeles, you know, because that's the the greed factor. You wrote a lot about Matthew Wolf today, um, so there's there are these four kids, right? Matthew Wolf and Colin Morikawa and Victor Hovland and Scotty Scheffler, right? Are they they're all pretty much the same age, all pretty much the same ability. A couple of them have have well, Morikawa has won one of the majors already. The others have not. Does Wolf stand out for you in any way? I, I mean, obviously there's there's the anxiety issue that he talked about in your story. And that that's sort of part, that made me think of Naomi Osaka with mm-hmm. tennis, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's sort of part of this, the growing trend of people, you know, talking openly about that and good for him. And it seemed to be good for him to, to sort of stand up there and say it. And um, yeah, he's, he just stands out in that way that... Um, tried to be perfect, I think. And what is it? Perfect is the enemy of good and all that. And so he, you know, after leading the U S open last September, after three rounds and he shot 75 on the closing round, everybody who would look at that said, well, you're 21 years old. Of course you did that. It would have been unnatural to, to, to go in and then win it. And, And so, but I think in his mind, it said, um, you know, just said, probably looked at that as, as, as some sort of failure, which is, which is kind of how the mind can work, you know, and it's such a mysterious organ and, uh, and that's kind of how the mind can work sometimes. And so, you, you, you know, you, you think that doesn't make sense to me, but then in a way it does at the same time. And, you know, you look at all these, those guys you mentioned and, you know, you read their birthdays and you think, oh, that's recent enough. I can kind of even remember what I was doing that day, you know, and, and the one, <laughs> the one who uh, stands out the most to me is Morikawa. I just think he's a, an extraordinary uh, player, extraordinary approach to the game. And um, I think maybe he had a way of looking at the game in terms of, I remember once I asked him at the PGA, what were your expectations? And he said, I don't use that word expectations out like oh wow you know that's a and that wasn't the first time he had said that but that's a good um that's a a, a different kind of approach to it you know that that maybe w- works better for him um but i think all of us who have kind of felt anxious about something can um you know can root for wolf so my feeling about this is that i don't think that in tennis or golf or any other individual sport that there's a higher percentage of people who have anxiety. 
But I think that when you're on a team sport, it's sort of easier to find solace in the group um, to diminish your level of anxiety or to cope with your level of anxiety. When you're in an individual sport, you feel like the whole weight of the world is on you, which to me, you know, the, the people who succeed at it, it's, it's even more remarkable. You know, because yeah, there's, there's, yeah. it's just the support system is not, it's not there. I'll get you out of here on this. Um, there was a commercial that ran within the last couple of months. John Rahm and Xander Shoffley are on the range. I think it has to do with a betting deal or something like that. And Shoffley says, you know, I can, I'm going to win at Tory. And Rahm says, I've already won at Tory. Those two guys. That looks like a prescient commercial. Those two guys look like they could be there at the end. Do you have any thoughts about either of them? I think we're going to see both of them win majors, uh, a major at least, uh, each. Even though, uh, as a golf writer, Jeff Rude once told me when I was talking about it one time, he said, uh, they're hard to win. You know, and I've never gotten that out of my head. They're really hard to win. So yes. many competitors, you know, and we always – you know, when, when McElroy won his fourth in Louisville in 2014, there was all this talk of eight and ten, and, and that's just crazy talk. And even people who know it's crazy talk were saying that. So I do think, though, that each of those two men is going to win one at some point, and, and, that, um, and, and that here it could be the one, and that, and that for Shoffley that would be a great story because it's his home it's where he grew up, even though his parents came from afar and raised him here. And I just think uh, that would be a really popular, I think people like him a lot here, and, and that that would be a really sort of a, a popular thing to happen at this. Thank you so much for being with us and waking up early. I appreciate it, and thank you for all the good stuff you've written lately. Thanks. Thank you so much, Tony. Thank you. Chuck Culpepper, boys and girls, we will take a break. We will come back with email and a jingle, and I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's Because I can't read your handwriting, it looks like Joe and Molly Chambers. Yes, that is correct. Uh, your handwriting is terrible. It's awful, isn't it? It's dreadful. This is, this is why he doesn't write the news stories down. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to read my own terrible. writing. <laughs> do you want to do the Bethesda bagel ad? Yes, Bethesda bagels. We love them. You will as well, especially if you put them in. The Revolution Toast. Exactly. All you need to do is go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. I guess that's it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me just say in the words of... A fellow Long Islander, she can kill with a smile, she can wound with her eyes, she can ruin your faith with her casual lies, and she only reveals what she wants you to see. She hides like a child, but she's always a woman to me, Billy Joel. Thanks to our guest today, Chuck Culpepper. Thanks to our sponsors today, New Hero and Policy Genius. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you got the show through iTunes, please leave us a review. And let me know what you think of having people here live like this you know emails let me know and let us know about your toast preferences we're sure. talking yeah. bread types I, i'm just butter glad amounts. it's nice to do a show not wearing pajama pants for yeah. me personally Where uh from shed every little on the planet was pulling for pat forty's daughter pat forty's daughter brooke finished sixth in the 200 final she may or may not make the team but i'm going to read something from reed evans from charleston south carolina 
and he can help clarify it. And I did talk to Pat last night, and he's hopeful she will make the team as an alternate in the relays. Mr. Tony, I figured you might have watched the Olympic trials to see if Brooke Forty made the team. And knowing you are not a huge swimming fan, I foresee some confusion. She should be in, but it won't be official for a few days. Reason being that FINA, the governing body, puts a hard cap on the total roster of 26 athletes, even though there are 14 individual events in which a nation can field two swimmers. To resolve the impasse, USA Swimming Selection Criteria sets five priority levels. One, the 14 individual event winners. Two, second through fourth in the 100 and 200 freeze to compose the relay team. Three, second place in the other 12 individual events. Four, fifth in the one and two freeze. And five, sixth in the one and two freeze. They take the fifth and sixth so that the people swimming the one and two freestyle relays as individual events at, at, at freeze as individual events don't have to swim the prelims of the relays because you don't want to deplete somebody's energy exactly so assuming that enough women make the team in multiple events that the 26 woman cap does not become a factor as it never has in the past those fifth and sixth place finishers including 40 will make it she'll swim on the prelim relay and have a chance to make the final roster of four if she's fast enough now the 26 woman cap has never been a factor before because there are always several swimmers who make the team in multiple events. See Michael Phelps and Katie Ledecky. Every time that happens, it increases the odds that all the criteria will be filled. This year will be the trickiest ever because the IOC has added a new event, the 1500, but without raising the cap to 28. But things are looking good so far. Well, Katie Ledecky is one of the people who won that. She won that, okay? So while she and Pat will, of course, be nervous... Until the roster is official, they should also be thrilled because she is likely to make the team. Not only that, but she did it in her third best event, dropped a ton of time from her previous best just to make the final. This is a triumph. Congratulations, Brooke. Please don't read my name on the air so the woman to whom I related by marriage doesn't know how long an email I wrote about a swimmer I don't know. I talked to Pat last night. He said Brooke's time in the 200 final was the fastest of her life. It's amazing. So she was thrilled. Yes. Totally thrilled. From Wayne Mills, I've enjoyed listening to your show for years. My wife finally paid attention to me talking about something on the Tony Kornheiser show. She swam competitively, as did one of our daughters at the provincial championship level, because this is uh, from Canada. When I mentioned that Brooke Forty was in the 400 IM final on Sunday evening, she finally perked up and said, oh, where did you learn about that? Then I explained, and she finally had an appreciation for the Tony Kornheiser podcast. Great show, and keep up the good work. If you're ever in British Columbia, I'd love to host you and Michael at our golf course, Ledgeview Golf and Country Club, where current PGA Tour pros Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor grew up learning the game. Michael, I hand this to you to say. I'll put this in the pile. From Joe Mahan, or Mahan, in Ardmore, Pennsylvania, near Philadelphia. Come on, man. Everyone knows it's a swim pant. <laughs> From Bob DeFrades in Tucson, formerly of Kensington, Maryland. Did I hear you correctly? You, the man who cannot operate or even approach an ATM machine or computer without apprehension, are excited about the prospect of a revolution toaster? <laughs> as best as I can tell, this overpriced and overdesigned beast has no less than 63 settings. It's a toaster. What are you thinking? <laughs> who will operate this monster? P.S. The toaster will spy on you, too, no doubt. From Jeff Jackson in San Antonio, Texas. Forget the Thursday show because the Friday show is a live toaster play-by-play of a bagel. <laughs> Jeff Ma is taking the over on the toaster. It's really good. These things are good. Toaster stuff is really good. From Dina in Damascus. I went to a Nationals game last night and the bullpen managed not to lose the game. But I had an experience that made me feel as old as you, Mr. Tony. I went to get a pretzel for my dad. 
Not only did they not accept cash, they wouldn't accept credit cards. I had to buy it from an app on my phone. Mm. First, I needed to download a QR scanner app, then the actual app. Then I had to make an MLB account, and food sales stopped in one more out. Needless to say, they ended up just giving me the pretzel. <laughs> it's, it's, I had the same experience. Just go through your camera phone. If you have a camera phone, go through the camera setting. It'll bump you automatically to the ballpark app. One okay. more from Lee Gordon. Congratulations to Michael on his recent triumph in the tournament at Columbia. Will that glass where he won now be put into storage in your basement for the next <laughs> 10 years? Lee Gordon, West Hartford, Connecticut, and Boynton Beach, Florida. P.S. Recently, Claire Natola requested and was granted the distinction of being the official rumdum of the Tony Kornheiser <laughs> show. I can think of no one for whom the title rumdum is less appropriate than Claire Natola. May her reign be long and distinguished. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. You want to talk real customers? Kid, that's me. I'm like the mayor of Duncan.
each other's time till we stop breathing you and me can't waste each other's time till we stop breathing you let me
Well, I need a change to be where I don't 